You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on the Book of Romans, now looking at Romans T. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. Welcome back to the series Romans A to Z. This is Romans T, the 20th class in our series. So far, we've studied Romans 1 to 8 and then Romans 9 to 11. In the first eight chapters, Paul's concern is with justification by faith. We're not saved by the Torah. This naturally led to the question of Israel. Most in Israel thought they were justified by keeping Torah. And what is the place of the physical, national people of God? And that is the subject of Romans 9 to 11. Most scholars consider this to be the most difficult part of Romans. We're not quite finished with chapter 11, though, because there's a glorious conclusion which I want us to read and talk about today. Our passage is Romans 11, 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. After the analysis of Romans 9 to 11, Paul throws up his hands, not in frustration, but I think in praise. He lifts his hands, acknowledging the Lord of heaven, the one who's truly sovereign. There are many passages like this in the Bible. The little psalm, 131 is very much like this. You don't know that one, you might want to take a look. It's humble. It's beautiful. It gives us the perspective we need so that we're neither too dismissive of Paul's theology or learning in general, nor um, too academic or all becomes about words and definitions. What we know about God is what he reveals to us. It can't be captured in words, and yet there are ways to speak of God that are more accurate than others. Again, we can never capture God in a paragraph of theology. I don't care how good it is. But there's still such thing as healthy doctrine and sick doctrine, good theology and wrong theology, right interpretation and and poor interpretation. Just because he's beyond us doesn't mean that we throw our hands up and quit. We still try. And yet our hearts need to be in a certain position or disposition. Let's break this down. He says, who has known the mind of the Lord? Interestingly, he told us in chapter 8 that we should have 
the mind of the spirit. Well, the mind of the spirit is, well, you tell me if you think it's different from the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says that the mature person makes all kinds of judgments, the spiritual person, and we have the mind of Christ based on what God has revealed to us. This is all in 1 Corinthians 2. So we have the mind of Christ. Is that different from the mind of the Spirit? I'm not sure that it is. And here he says, who's known the mind of the Lord? The mind of the Lord, the mind of the Spirit, the mind of Christ. Who has been his counselor? And this is intended to take us right back to the book of Job. Who's ever given to God that he should repay him? There's no obligation to us. And this points back to Romans 4. If you worked for something, you would have wages coming to you. It's not that way with faith. Everything comes from him. He owes us nothing. This beautiful language, from him, through him, to him, you find many passages like that in Ephesians and Colossians. You'll notice a lot when I speak, I refer to other passages. I don't ask us to turn there. I usually don't even read them. It's because I want us to see how all the scriptures fit together. And I think if we are men and women of the word, we'll know, we'll have a feel for what kinds of concepts appear in which parts of the Bible. We should know that. We should be as familiar with the books of the Bible as we are familiar with our friends and family. We know their strengths. We know what they look like. We know where they are. We know the basic facts. I really want everyone listening to be a great student of Scripture. He ends up this section saying, to him be the glory forever. That's a really important word in Romans. You may have noticed. There's another glory at the very end of the letter in 1627 actually counted the words in Romans. 17 times we find glory. And if you take the word glorify or glorified, it's a total of 21 times. It's a huge theme. And then Paul ends just saying, Amen. We have five amens in Romans. 1, 9, 11, 15, 16. And because if you read Romans 15, we'll get there later on, and then there's Amen. It, it feels as though the letter's over. And many scholars opine that that was the end of Romans and that chapter 16 was added later on. I don't know that they're right. I'm not sure it really matters. But I understand why they feel that it's over. It seems like it's indicating that. I guess you could get the same idea. You could think Philippians was over after uh, the first two chapters when you read 3.1. But Amen means something. Let it be. Let it be so. My opinion is that we overuse the word amen. Maybe we underuse it in a sense. We're underusing it in the biblical way. But just as Christians feel they can't end a prayer without saying in Jesus' name, we tend to feel we can't end a prayer without an amen either. I believe that we we pray in Jesus' name if we're in Christ, and that's our intention. We don't have to use those words. 
I'm not aware of many examples of that from the early church. I think that's much later. I think it's the same with the Amen. It's very solemn. When I was a little kid saying grace at the table, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, Amen. We would often say it as quickly as we could so we could get on on into the, the meal. We had a longer version of that prayer, which was twice as long. But you had to say amen. But first century prayers don't normally take an amen. In the second century, it's becoming more common. But originally, amens are found in the middle of letters and discourses. Nothing wrong with it, but I'm just saying it's not required biblically. You may feel awkward, but amen is not like putting the stamp on the envelope before you put it in the mailbox. It will still be delivered, even without it. The Amen indicates not just a transition or an end, but the solemnity of the occasion. And this is an important passage. It's an important perspective. Now, are these thoughts hard to fathom? First, Paul's thoughts are deep. And we're not going to be able to understand everything he wrote. And Peter reminds us of that fact at the end of 2 Peter. But secondly, and more to the point, God's wisdom is deep to the point of being unsearchable. That doesn't mean you don't search, because to search out things is the glory of kings. Search and research are are wonderful. That's what being a seeker is. But it can't be searched entirely. And I think maybe it's a little bit like outer space. There's a lot to explore. But at the end of the day, we only know so little. There's far more we don't know than we do know. Like outer space, there's the inner space of molecules and atoms, which scientists have been looking at for more than a century, and that it's still full of mysteries. But we don't give up. It's still well worth exploring. And if we'll always be humble and hold our theories, our ideas, our doctrines even, tentatively, then the research, the search, will be worth it. What a beautiful passage. Let's read it one more time. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Romans 9 to 11 is over. In 12 to 16, we'll move from the gospel to its application. Not so much discussion of salvation as sanctification. What it means to live out the life of the Spirit, the mind of Christ. We'll begin with two podcasts from Romans 12. As this series is structured, they are Romans U and Romans V. Just a few more lessons to go before we finish studying this wonderful epistle of Paul. I really appreciate your being part of the series and giving your heart and mind. May it make a difference in your day as you ponder these thoughts. We hope you enjoyed Douglas' teaching on Romans. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. 
You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.